You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show. You're talking to Clancy Overall and Wendell Hussey today. These are your hosts. We've got a special guest in today, someone who uh, we've been following, tracking the trajectory for quite some time now. Channel Trez, thank you for joining us. Uh, Channel, we want to kind of talk to you a little bit about um, this trajectory that we have kind of witnessed. We would say it popped up on our radar 2018, early 2019, uh, when we saw you live at Splendor in the Grass. Uh, what's happened with you since then? Have you, you know, how did you handle the creativity in the lockdowns and out of that shit and the kind of chaotic couple of years since? Um, I got wasted. Yep. A lot of drinking and mm-hmm. other things mm-hmm. and a lot of making music and eating. Mm-hmm. And then um, I realized that I can't live like that. Yep. And um, yeah, so I came back. Working out a lot, yeah. Sober and um, yeah, just having a good time now. Living in Los Angeles, yes. Well, that's a great place to be living clean, man. Yeah. The home of biohacking. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I mean, you know, you start to see the city different. Bulletproof coffee, something like that. <laughs> Is it a hard place to stay sober in LA? No, I thought it was at first, but it's like you just see the city differently, you know. There's a lot of like fun things to do and just like different things like, you know, shit I would pass up mm. or wouldn't do or women I wouldn't hang out with or yeah. different things. So now it's just kind of like, oh, I'm starting to see the city a little different. Yeah, yeah. Shit yeah. you'd pass up for a party usually. Yep, pretty yeah. much. Now you grew up, when we spoke to you uh, backstage back in the day, you were telling us you're from Compton. Yeah. I'm not really sure of the geographics of Los Angeles. Is that a big area or is that, you you know, there's only a select few? It's just outside of Los Angeles. Um, They call it Los Angeles County. Mm -hmm. So it's like a freeway over, um, but it's small. It was a big city to me when I was younger, but Mm -hmm. now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, it's really small. Everybody knows everybody, different things. Now, we're not unfamiliar with Compton, mainly due to the saturation of American media. Uh, in Australia growing up, particularly NWA, Kendrick mm-hmm. Lamar, The Game. We've all seen those guys. They come here. Could you tell us what your influences were growing up? Would it be a wild assumption to think that you were listening to that stuff coming out of there? Or were you into all kinds of stuff? I mean, that stuff was just played naturally. Dr. Dre and like Ice Cube and, you know, Dub C. Like that stuff was being naturally played just because of the area I was grew up in. But I was very, like, I grew up with my great-grandparents, so a lot of oldies, gospel music, yeah. and, um, you know, jazz. And, um, you know, I had to go to church all the time. So I was just surrounded by, like, music, just in general. Mm. Playing music at church as well? Yeah, played drums. That's a very strange story. A lot of our musicians kind of come out of the church. And one thing we've had in conversations with, you know, some are still practicing, some have, uh, in their mind particularly when it's Pentecostalism, they break out to play rock and roll music or whatever. Mm. And they say it actually gave them a good experience, giving them an instrument and an audience so early in life. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like, because in church you have to do, like, maybe, you know, for Easter and, like, for Christmas you got plays, so you have rehearsal. You know, being a drummer, um, I had to go to rehearsal every Tuesday. And then uh, if we would travel, I would play different 
like churches traveling. I played drums at school, you know, so it was just um it's not the same as kind of now, but it also it gets you in like the practice and the regiments and like knowing how to show up for a performance and different things like that. So it's kind of it kind of, you know, it works. Makes sense. And what age or when did you start looking at music as being a thing that might be a career? Something that's like, I'm going to do this full time. Or when was it something that you started to pursue? When I was 18. Mm -hmm. Since I grew up naturally around music, I didn't see it as like something that could be a career. But when I turned 18, just filling out college uh, applications and stuff, you seen that there were music programs, and then when I go would go to visit different campuses, they would have studios and different things, and I was like, "Oh, I mm. can, I could study this," you know. So, I ended up going to school for it. You went to a private Christian uni in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. What what is that like? Like here in Australia, I feel like we have a couple of Christian universities. They're pretty similar to just normal universities, just with a slight Christian element to it. Is it a lot, lot like more that? nursing. Yeah, a lot yeah. more nursing, a lot of teaching, yeah. that sort of stuff. Mm. What's it kind of like in America, particularly in Oklahoma, Christian uni? Uh, well, Oklahoma is what they call like the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. So that means like it's very religious and very like right wing Christianity. Yeah. That's where a lot of televangelist film and different things. And mm. so it was very, um, very Christian. Yeah. Um, like, you know, split dorm rooms, all the guys stay here, you know, they open, they make the dorms co-ed on Sundays or one Sunday a month or some shit and you have a curfew, you know. <laughs> it sounds pretty yeah. strict, man. It was crazy. I mean, I, I uh, yeah, I got through it. Um, I moved off campus maybe the, my junior year and then I kind of started doing what I wanted to do. But those first couple of years was very uh, sheltered, but it was good for me. Being from L.A., I'm used to, like, you know, I've been on my own since 17, so I was just used to living a fast life and kind of doing whatever I wanted. So I kind of needed the structure and yeah. some type of, like, thing to get me through, you know. Yeah. I, Parameters. Yeah. Yeah, the religious stuff didn't really stick, but the other things, you know, that I had to do stuck, you know, just different things. Because I grew up very, like, you know, even though I grew up with my great-grandparents, um, I still was kind of a street kid. So, like, I just... There's certain things I just didn't know to mm. do, you know, manners, shit like that, you know. And so you picked that up at the college kind of thing? Yeah, I picked yeah. it up in school because I was around kids that were homeschooled most of their life or sheltered and different things. And, they, you know, I'm in my dorm room like <laughs> I don't even read the syllabus, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm just like whatever, you know, and like they're up on class and up on shit like way before. And I'm just like, how did y'all know this? Do this in the syllabus or like, you know, they're going to bed early. I'm up all night, you know, smoking weed, coming back to the campus and shit. Like, and I'm just like, oh, OK, if I want to like, you know, kind of catch up to where they're going, I got to change some things in my life. So, so not a lot of partying from the Christian homeschool kids I party. on Christian college. I party. You party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But for you, some, you, you find have to find you, a few people. Yeah, yeah, I mean the people that are like that, we ended up we end up finding each other. They always find each yeah. other. Yeah, you know? we you can't, can't walk past yeah. them. <laughs> I was high most of the time during yeah. that time of my life. But and then tell me, back to LA, back to Compton, or when? The question we ask a lot of uh, particularly musicians is, when did you know? Like he's asked already. Uh, Wendell's already asked, when did you think you were going to do this for a job? When did you know there was no turning back? When did you know that 
you were gaining traction and this is, you know, and, and things were going as planned? Um, it's probably like my senior year yeah. in school. I was just like DJing and doing gigs around the city. And, um, you know, I just like, when I got off the plane, my friend invited me to a studio session. I was with CeeLo Green. All right. And uh, we were just producing and stuff. And then I started, it started picking up. You know, I had a couple classes to finish. And I was just like, bro, you know, I started teaching over the summer for a second. And then I just, you know, I just was like, oh, man, I'm in the studio all night. Then I got to go to this classroom. And, like, I just was like, I mean, I couldn't, like, do the normal thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I started dressing different. I started just wanting to be myself more. I couldn't really keep up the facade of, like, trying to be in, the, um, like, what is it? Blue collar world, yeah. something like that. Like I couldn't really be in that. Like I, I had to do what I wanted to do creatively. I had to move the way I wanted to move. I had to be able to um, sit when I wanted to sit, and like really be able to download ideas or different things like that. So I, I, I knew like around that time, and I was probably about 22, 23, and um, yeah, I just kind of, you know, quit all my jobs and like just did music. Was homeless for a while. Like was couch surfing, went all in, yeah, mm-hmm. and then it eventually worked out. So tell me from there, touring. You know, you might do different cities, you might go different places. You know, you, you were all of a sudden in places like Byron Bay, or mm-hmm. you know, different countries. What, what what are some of the lessons you learn, and what are some of the first things that you kind of have to get used to in that kind of world? Because that you know that's an intensive part of the job. People think. Being a rock star, being a rap star, being a musician, people think that that is the high life. In fact, musicians have written songs about how people think that. Uh, one that comes to mind is, you know, Money for Nothing by Die Straits, I think it is. You know, Money for Nothing and Chicks for Free. But it's not that. You're living out of briefcases, you're living out of suitcases, you're living out of hotel rooms, you're backstage with other artists who you all hate each other. Everyone knows that's the case. Everyone's secretly <laughs> rivals. Like, <laughs> what, 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 what was that like, you know, becoming, a, I guess, a mercenary in that world? Uh, first, like, yeah, of course, I had, a, like, a fantasy about it. I'm thinking, like, you know, people going to hold my hand or tell me how to be or, like, what, whatever. And um, the crazy part about this shit, you know, you can get whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Mm. But everything you want to do and everything you want to get is not necessarily the best for you. And so, like, the first few years of getting into this, you know, of course, women, you know, drugs and fucking staying out all night, playing shows, my voice going hoarse and all kind of things. Like, I'm just getting sick, but, you know, still drinking, just still going crazy. You know, I I allow my vices to kind of take over and then, you know, um, and then... um, I started to hate it, you know, because mm-hmm. I was like, it's my job. Now I got to do it because I need money. So I started to hate it. And then um, that was the kind of good thing about the pandemic. It allowed me to kind of sit back and see if I really wanted to even do this or, you know, I mean, that was never a question. Of course, this is what I wanted to do. But the reasoning why I want to do it had to change and it had to come from a deeper place of um, wanting to, um, one, make my family proud, but also like, you know, change the stigma of where I grew up and like kind of break that statistic and like you know really see this as an opportunity to um be a good part of history of my city and you know and create a good lineage for my family you know different things I'm like the first to do a lot of things in my family so seeing that mantle is not 
it's not like pressure or something to like resist but kind of accept it and just like you know and just try to treat this different and really realize that a lot of people would dream to do this you know and I can do this so just kind of like look at it from that angle instead of using it as a platform to just be you know self-sabotage or whatever have as much fun as possible yeah yeah so and was going sober was that a big part of falling back in love with music uh i was always in love with music i think it just helped me not trauma vomit over everything anymore mm. just blah. that's funny that you, you mentioned this um very admirable kind of turnaround because the next question we're going to ask you is if you remember meeting us in AAA at uh, Splendor in the Grass. <laughs> Probably not. We're Wait, the- <laughs> were y'all the ones that gave me that damn pen and it was DMT? <laughs> That wasn't no, y'all? That was okay, not, but cool. we met you before that. Oh, we met right. you down back the back tent. You came up to us and you said, man, these Australians, they, they're not very fun to party with. What are you guys doing? And we were we were uh, standing in a tent by ourselves and um, we hung out for a little while. But yeah, we uh, we partied. And to your credit, he came good with the tickets he offered us while we were partying. He came, DM'd us and said, mm. he said, uh, tickets to, uh, who were you touring with then? Was it? Gambino. Yeah, Gambino, you offered us a ticket. We couldn't make it, but it was in Sydney. So uh, uh, see, I was a nice guy. Steve. Yeah, <laughs> that could have been. That's you know, that's that very like oh, backstage late at night. Yeah, yeah I'll sort you out. Yeah. No worries. We followed nice. each other. Followed each other on Instagram, yeah. and then he DM'd a couple of days later. I said, "Man, this is a real one." Yeah, and, I'm still. Nice and that guy. was apparently you and your bad boy days. So you must be a real good guy now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I never, I never really was bad. I just like, I just like to go to the edge of just like I just like having fun yeah and and probably much younger than now you would have been in your mid-20s then yeah I was about 26 so I yeah. could handle it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah no um uh yeah Dave Dave was there mm. the British musician we were all um anyway the, nice. listeners, the listeners don't want to hear about how much fun we have <laughs> doing these interviews so. out the back of music festivals yeah. hanging out yeah. um <laughs> I had a question I wanted to ask you about. We're a podcast based out here in regional Queensland, (laughs) inland Australia. Compton House. You're described as the inventor of Compton House. How would you describe Compton House to some of our listeners? How would you describe it? What would it be? It's just basically what I do as far as like just um, taking the influence that I've had with house music and then kind of also the mix of like West Coast kind of flow with that so it's just kind of what i call what i do mm. yeah, know, yeah the blend of like certain things you put together yeah one thing about the west coast and the and the compton kind of origins you can go into any kind of club any kind of uh gym any kind of place where there's a lot of kind of um any active environment where there's a lot of movement and you're going to hear you know the dna of g-funk which it's always been interesting to me uh, just because it has stood the test of time, you know, and we're talking almost 35, 40 years ago when this all started happening. Do you feel inspired by that particular sound, the synth, you know, the, you know, real motherfucking G's? What was the um, the original synth that we used to, you know, like the Dr. Dre and, uh, the and those kind yeah, of guys? The Moog. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the squeals that you all know. Yeah, Battle Cat mm. is the creator of G-Funk. Um, it's a producer from Los Angeles, but... Um, yeah, you know. Is that in your D, the golden thread of your music? Yeah, it goes back to like, you know, Parliament and, you know, George Clinton, different things like that. And so that's just the sound of palm trees and mm-hmm. 
Is that yeah. what you think? Yeah, palm trees and low riders. And low riders. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I grew up. Yeah, you know? for sure. Are you feeling the community, the people who live among the palm trees and the low riders responding and feeling that in your music? Um, I think so. I, we got some sold out shows in LA, yeah. so I, I think so. I'm kind of like, I mean, a lot of my big bros are like, you know, Ty Dolla Sign and like Terrace Martin, like, you know, Thundercat and different things. Those are all LA musicians and like, you know, everybody kind of just, you know, we know what we got there. And like, you know, I grew up with a lot of those dudes in church and stuff. So it's like, yeah, they're responding, you know, everybody's responding, you know, it just speaks to the um, versatility of, you know, Los Angeles. And like, it's just a lot of geniuses come out from there, you know? And then when you bring that sound around the world, where are you finding these pockets of fans? We, you know, that's the one thing I say about music in today. And one thing you can see with it is, you know, people from all over the world have access to you and what you're making, you know, and what your, your, your output. Are you finding fans in places you didn't even think of or you certainly didn't have in mind when you were making the music? Um, I think I leaned over to, like, when I got into techno and house music, I think I leaned, like, to that, that sound more so to, like, kind of break through with fans, mm -hmm. you know, and then like also with the performance and also I'm a DJ, so I'm playing like, you know, I'm playing, you know, in the DJ set, I'm playing all kind of stuff, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, with the live show, I think if you're just a fan of like performance and like entertainment and like, you know, of like pop star shit, you know, like I think you'll love my show because I love... I love bridging the underground and the mainstream yep. and that's just kind of how I do. And and then like, you know, I've heard that like, you know, my show is the type of show that if you're not a fan and you come watch it, you're just going to like it anyway because it's so entertaining. So I, I become think, a fan. Yeah. Just going to so. have a good time because I feel like Australia, you blew up 2018 in Australia and that was... That was big, like that They've was been talking about controller, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're out here for yeah, that like was that. It. Yeah. that was that happening in other places around the world, or were we nah. first on it? Were yeah, we? Australia was first for sure. We came over here, and that was like my first time really touring like this. Yeah, yeah. And so it was pretty crazy. And then, um, you know, I went back to LA and just just built. I mean, went back to the US and yeah. just built it from small venues. You know, 100 people rooms, 200 people rooms. Uh, opening for artists you know just building it like that and then you know mm. this year was really a breakout year for me just doing a u.s tour and just being selling out different places and different things and you know yeah because i you've got uh run of sold out shows in big cities across america what are the best places to go to where do you have the most fun and maybe that's like a double question in the sense of now you're more sober well now he has other words has it fun. changed yeah has it kind of changed no nah, um, i mean i think i'm having more fun now mm -hmm. because uh i think one thing i realized uh i was like i'm already on a high from just shows and just doing what i'm like living my dreams so it's like i don't need to add anything else to it i'm just mm. kind of like I'm good, you know, like my high is sleep now. And like, <laughs> you know, waking up from sleep yeah. too, yeah. A beautiful, a beautiful woman, you yeah. know, something like that. And mm. those nice fluffy hotel beds. That you you just know, y'all got washing machines in the hotels here, which is really amazing. <laughs> Do your own shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Anyway, we've um we've enjoyed this chat and um and we're we're loving the direction you're heading, man. We um Obviously, we're all fans and we're all listening to you. And uh, we hope to see you 
in action, you know, for many, many more decades. Mm, definitely. Uh, and I think you're on the right trajectory to do that now. Clear mind, clean eating. He's in LA now going to art shows and shit. So uh, it's a bit different to old uh, Barney's Beanery down there in West Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Channel Trez. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.